need to train your spokespeople. You need to train everybody to be spokespeople for your organization. Um, and when it comes to choosing your primary spokespeople, um, you've got to do that. You have to be very careful with how you do that. You need to be very thoughtful and mindful. This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network. Available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Let's go, business storytellers. How's everyone doing? Did that really just say episode 580? Did I see that correctly? Holy buckets. We're moving right along. And once again, we are live on all these different channels, including on Amazon. And you know what? I want to show this to you just because I happen to have all this stuff by me. Um, you can get this on Amazon, Alani drinks they keep me awake during the day and you know what when you work at home have you noticed that you end up with like five cups and three different cans of different things during the day my other can by the way is i got that here too on amazon Lacroix. yes totally we're making we're turning this show into an infomercial but i thought it would be interesting for you to see what i drink all day long to stay awake finally the final thing i want to mention is marketing a good career is now available and out for publication. So if you're thinking about becoming um, a marketer or moving into marketing or whatever it might be, take a look. This kind of walks you through all the different um, things you want to consider. But today we're talking about how are we going to be crisis ready? By the way, if you scan, amazing to me still, how QR codes have come back uh, and we're using them nonstop now. But crisis ready, It's a, I just finished that book, Melissa Agnes. Um, founder of Crisis, the Crisis Ready Institute, uh, wrote that book. Uh, very interesting topic to me. And there is a difference between being crisis ready and just having marketing emergencies, right? You know who I'm talking to right there. Some of you out there, everything is an emergency. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about what's a crisis? How do we move through it? And how do we um, how do we take the opportunity that comes out of it? So let's dive into that topic. Welcome to the show, Melissa. Hello. <laughs> I did that totally wrong. If um, there's no right or wrong how you fist bump, <laughs> um, it's just as long as uh, you fist bump, that's how you do it. So thanks for joining me. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure I ran across you somewhere on Twitter and I thought something and I was like, let's get her on the show. And the noise in the background, well, that's the New York subway. Sorry, guys. Well, the, the only reason there's no subway here because I'm in Iowa and we don't we barely have a bus system. Some city officials will certainly disagree with that statement, but that's my opinion. I'm sticking to it. So you founded the Crisis Ready Institute and wrote this book. And it, I mean, first of all, tell me about what does that even mean to be crisis ready? Why are you so interested in the topic? And, um, you know, let's start there. That's a great place to start, especially if you never want me to stop talking, which I will do. Um, what it means to be crisis ready. So I started, I founded the Institute in 2018. Sorry for the noise, guys. I founded the Institute in 2018. I started in this career, this profession in 2012, I want to say. So as a consultant until I founded the Institute. And essentially, I was frustrated, continue to be frustrated with the, we don't learn these, this skill set, the mindset, the skill set, the capabilities of being crisis ready in school. 
so we when you talked about a marketing emergency for example at the start when you're doing the intro um that's kind of like the best of what um organizations can do today so when you look at crisis ready the difference is we take a cultural approach so historically crisis management the industry that i'm in was about having a plan right just creating this like siloed stagnant linear document that got stored away and leadership could check off a box and back in 2012 when everything you know twitter and social media and technology and cybersecurity and just all two-way communication and real-time expectations from stakeholders when all of this started kind of rising to the surface and shaping the way that our society kind of lives and does business both of those um, that stagnant plan was no longer enough i don't know that it was ever enough but it certainly isn't enough anymore so being crisis ready is a little bit different so that we take a cultural approach to crisis preparedness or being skilled in responding to change challenge and crisis both from an action standpoint a communication standpoint and a leadership standpoint and we look at it as, as instead of it being a plan that sits on a shelf a siloed plan we help organizations and leaders develop programs that they then integrate into the very culture of their organization so that it's instinctive it's reflexive um, if something happens you know precisely how to respond action communication in the right timeline in a way that actually strengthens your brand equity and strengthens trust with your stakeholders and your brand. Another thing that people are not learning when they're in school, they're in college, when they're wherever, and the list just keeps getting longer and longer every time. I mean, I, 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 the, I don't, the list is just so long of things people aren't learning and they should be learning. Um, and you know, when crisis happens, you have to respond. Certainly, you talked a lot about how are you ready for it before it happens. The one um, thing I really found very interesting in the book, you talked, and I remember this case actually, that the Ebola crisis did. And I don't remember the, the, the medical center in Atlanta, but I remember watching it on TV. And um, I think in your book, I mean, talk us through the whole thing, but in your book, basically, you talk about they thought they were ready, they were exci excited, might be too strong of a word, but they were excited to to help out and then stuff happened and nobody saw it coming. Talk about that. Nobody saw it coming. They got inundated and overwhelmed and um, expectations were you know, set. I think this is also going back to so the book was published in 2018. So the story back then, back then, still five years ago now, um, expectations and even today, you know, I'm a keynote speaker and, and I was just on a pre-event call with a client this week and she was saying how they had a crisis and they did everything right but the expectations were so so strong so high so that they could never meet them and same thing happened um, with every university um, hospital uh, I believe yes in Atlanta um, when COVID they got and uh, no not COVID when Ebola hit they got the first patient of Ebola um, in their hospital and they just they were ready from um, a you know procedural standpoint. They weren't ready from the brand management and um, standpoint. And one of the issues, one of the major challenges when it comes to crisis management is the communication and the leadership piece because it has to do with the emotion. And so that's what happened, right? So when the first patient of Ebola that came to North America, came to the US, was sent to their hospital, Emory University Hospital was was completely ready. They had the procedures, they had the talent, they had the skill, they had the protocols, they had the, like, the 
the experience, the expertise, and yet they forgot the communication piece. They forgot to tell the community that, hey, we've got this. You can count on us. We're the leaders here. We've got this. We've got you. And so, of course, the community found out that Ebola was now in their community. And all of, like, this is a huge, um, the emotion of that, right? Like, we don't want our families to die. We don't want to die. We don't want to catch Ebola. All of that. So they forgot to do the communication aspect, which is the area of crisis ready that personally I specialize in and love because I love human nature. I love understanding emotion and communication and language and how to resonate when, you know, you can't bring logic to it because you can't overcome logic, uh, emotion with logic. So that I'll let you come back, Christoph, and, and continue the conversation. But that's what happened. They, they forgot to be ready for the emotions and how to communicate and lead through that, even though they were ready, they were prepared on their end from the actionable like management side of the crisis. It's, you know what, it's so amazing to me that that actually happens. And I know it happens more often than, than, than it doesn't maybe, uh, but we forget about that. We have to share stuff with the community and it's so it's in theory, it's so much easier today to do it. I mean, you could literally just, you know, hop on Twitter or, or whatever and just go live really quickly with your phone and say, here's what's new. Here's what's up. Of course, the problem some companies will face is they have an ungodly 28 step approval process for anything that will ever see the light of day. Uh, so that probably doesn't help. But how do companies, how do they make sure that they get that piece right? Because at the end of the day, right, whatever people perceive the truth to be, that is the truth in those people's minds. Absolutely. So yes, legal and having too tight of reins on and control is an illusion in life in general, like period. So controlling a crisis is very much an illusion. What you want to strive to be able to do to achieve is to own your narrative. And so, yes, you know, legal can often be a hindrance, um, having too tight kind of your hands on the reins and, and wanting to control the situation can very often be a hindrance. But when it comes to, you know, when you said you can just kind of pick up your phone and, and do some kind of a, a live or a, a chat or like just be personable, the, one of the biggest hindrances of being crisis ready or of leading through crisis is that doing that, communicating, it's easy. So, okay, let me back up. Successful crisis management requires the right actions to be taken to actually manage, fix, remedy the situation, while simultaneously the right communications are being communicated um, to the right stakeholders, to the right audiences, and all of this has to happen in the right timeline. So action communication in the right timeline simultaneously. The action piece is the easy piece, right? If we look at Emory um, University Hospital, we can say that they had the actions down. Their procedures, that's their job. They were able to care for the person who had Ebola and make sure that it wasn't wouldn't you know get out into the community. That's the actionable piece. The communication piece in crisis is the most vulnerable, scary, intimidating, uncomfortable piece of it. Because if you think about it, crisis comes with um, a lot of unknowns and a high emotion and high stakes. To stand up as a leader, to fill that space, to stand rise to that space as a leader and you know be a fallible human who doesn't have all the answers, who might be panicked and overwhelmed him or herself, um, who have to then communicate with a panicked public or an uh, you know an enraged public or a devastated public. That's a really, 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 really hard thing to do for any person. And to our points earlier, we aren't taught this skill in school. 
Yeah, it's, um, you know, the other thing I was thinking when, as, as you were talking about how to be ready, I mean, we had what's called a derecho. I call it an inland hurricane here in town a couple of years ago. And basically 90% of the, the city's buildings were damaged, including our home. Uh, not as bad as others, but certainly there was enough damage to have repairs. And um, nobody had thought about what would happen if the power goes out to the entire in the entire area. How are we going to communicate? Right. And that was I mean, of course, that's public safety more than a company. But how do you even imagine or maybe you don't have to. But give me your opinion on that as a company. How many scenarios do you have to think about? How do you prepare ahead of time and i'm and i know public safety officials the good ones at least do this all the time they think about what if this happens what if that happens how would we react now the thing i mentioned earlier you know you can just take out your phone and do it and, and, and do a live stream that works as long as there's internet but when the power goes out there's nothing right it's like welcome to the 1990s or earlier maybe even um so how do you prepare uh, do you do you have to role play? I guess do you have to think about different scenarios? How how do companies do that to be ready? Okay, so I'll, I'm going to try to break it down and in bite-sizable chunks that are building blocks, and also they won't be all encompassing because it's, it's you know a little bit more. Um, first is to understand that you, one that you are and, and accept that you are susceptible to risk. We are susceptible to risk as human beings. Oops, sorry, guys as human beings as well as as organizations. Um, so understand that and then look at your point, try to identify your high risk scenarios. So what we call in crisis ready, we call them your high risk scenarios. So they're the most likely high impact types of events that can occur that can strike your organization, whether it's you know due to external um, circumstances or due to internal circumstances and or both. So looking at your high-risk scenarios, if you look at your high-risk scenarios and you identify, you know, this is an exercise that you can do with your team to say, hey, cross-organizationally, what keeps you up at night? Because what keeps HR up at night is going to be different from what keeps IT up at night is going to be different from what keeps your uh, business continuity team up at night with, you know, finance, the leadership team. Like, everybody has a different relationship with the brand. There are different roles and expertise, and they're different kind of viewpoints. So having that discussion and then breaking it down, you'll come up with, let's say, 5, 10, 12 at the most um, high-risk scenarios. You can then do a deep dive into each one of those scenarios to become crisis ready. So let's say that you have, you've identified five high-risk scenarios that are the most likely high-impact things. They are the things that are the most likely to happen, and if and when they happen, you're going to be in hot water. You're going to be in trouble. It's going to be a challenge to overcome. You're going to potentially lose market share. You're going to lose brand equity. You're going to lose whatever you might lose, right? So they're the important things. Going through the motions of becoming crisis ready, Every the way that we've designed it, the framework for crisis ready is really, um, one, it's about creating a program that's integrated into the culture of the brand, right? It's not about just solely having a siloed plan, like stagnant document that sits on a shelf somewhere in a file somewhere. So you're, you're going through the motions of that. You're creating the governance structure. You're looking at stakeholder mapping. You're understanding in this, in scenario A, you know, what do we need to do from an actionable standpoint, action communication timeline, actionable standpoint, what does every department need to do? What is, what are the roles and responsibilities? What is our oversight going to look like from a governance standpoint? From a communication standpoint, if you do a stakeholder mapping exercise, what are each one of our stakeholders going to need, feel, and expect of the brand 
in the interest, the goal with Crisis Ready is always to come out of any type of negatively impactful situation with increased trust and credibility. So one of the Crisis Ready rules is, act, uh, is people above process and bottom line always. And that's always, of course, in accordance with your core values. So if you take all of that together, you have a lot of questions that you can answer and that you can then, to your point, Christoph, of role-playing, we call them simulations. Um, some people do tabletop exercises. I personally think that those are less, a lot, a lot less valuable. I like to conduct crisis simulations for half day with my clients where we actually inject them into a very controlled, safe crisis, but very realistic, very real. And it's not about testing the people, it's about testing the program, strengthening the program, the processes, and honing, helping the team really strengthen their skill set so that it becomes instinctive. Um, so if you do that, I'm going to summarize here. If you do that in for each one of your, let's say, five high-risk scenarios, you will have a solid program. Now, what happens if a sixth scenario that completely blindsides you, that like not in a million years could you have ever anticipated or guessed or even like daydreamed that it would happen? You, by going so deep into becoming crisis ready and honing the mindset, skill set, and capabilities throughout your organization, it doesn't matter what sixth or seventh or eighth scenario comes into play because the fundamentals, the principles for crisis management all remain the same. And by going through the motions those five times and strengthening your program and strengthening your skill set, your team is now essentially, that's why I called the book Building an Invincible Brand in an Uncertain World, essentially you have a very very, very resilient, very savvy, very confident and competent team to rise to any occasion, to any occasion, like to ch any challenging occasion. It's interesting because we certainly want to be out there, but we also be invincible when it doesn't necessarily help us. So very inter interesting to think about it that way, too. Uh, so let's talk about um, your opinion on spokespeople or the people who are the face of the organization. And and sometimes that's more than one person. And and I got very strong opinions about this. My opinion is, and yes, I'm a I'm in PR and I'm in marketing and I've been on on, on the other side of the, in journalism as well. So I, I got different perspectives on this, certainly. But if you are the spokesperson for your organization, you cannot get it wrong, period. If you don't know the answer, you need to say, I don't know the specific answer. Let me go check and I will get back to you. And then this should go unsaid. Common sense is not that common sometimes. Then you circle back with the people who asked the question. But you cannot guess period, the end, like, and I will die on that hill. So, but, but to be a good spokesperson, you have to have good relationships, right? People have to trust you because if they don't tell you anything, of course, you don't know what to say, or, you know, if you're not good at your job, you're going to make it up or you whatever. But I, in my opinion, you can't. What's your opinion on having good spokespeople and making sure they're prepared? And do you disagree or agree with what I just said? No, I agree with what you just said, and I'll, and I'll say and. Um, it's not just the spokespeople who have to have solid relationships, right? When I talk about a stakeholder mapping exercise, you're looking at all stakeholders. Spokespeople tend to talk to the media, and the media is, yes, relationship, right? You need to have a relationship with media that, that pertains to your industry, to your brand, to your region, um, so that you actually can have a say, right? But they'll give you the benefit. Of, you've earned the benefit of the doubt. They'll come to you, they'll want to hear from you, and you'll have an opportunity to own that piece of your narrative. But essentially, like when it comes down to it, the media are a means to an end. The media is like social media. 
is like publishing a new website, is like picking up the phone and talking directly. They are a means to speak to the core people who actually matter to the brand, to the business. And it's not just the spokespersons. The spokesperson is, you know, front and center with the limelight on them. Um, if, if there's a media, co a press conference or a town hall or something like that, or if they go on to, the, you know, do a live stream. Um, but you really, you really need to have solid relationships with every single stakeholder. And that runs across the organization. So, and that's part of that crisis ready culture and that crisis ready mindset of, you know, is your, your sales team, your customer service, your, um, your different departments that speak to your vendors, like all of those relationships, successful business is built on relationships and it's a component of all of those relationships. Crisis management is about doing right by the people you serve. It's about when it matters most. It's about doing right by those relationships and putting those relationships first and foremost. So I don't, yes, I agree with you, absolutely. Um, how do you train your spokespeople? One, it shouldn't just be your spokespeople because to the point on social media, anybody and everybody within the organization can be asked a question. And if they don't understand how and why the how, why they need to respond in a certain way, how to respond in that certain way, then even with the best of intentions, they can get it wrong and that can be the downfall of the brand. Um, so it's not just spokespeople who need to be trained and yes, they, you know, spokespeople absolutely need to be trained. Um, and then one last thing on spokespeople is that it's not necessarily who you might think. It doesn't necessarily need to be the president or the CEO of the organization. It needs to be somebody, you know, depending on the type of situation. Maybe it's um, maybe it's somebody within your pump department, sure. But if it's a serious, serious crisis and you're, you really need to lead through it, then you need somebody on the C-suite. You need somebody who's a solid, authoritative representative of the organization and can answer, you know, questions and, and share things. Um, but that person needs to have specific qualities. So, for example, personability. If the president and everybody has different um, skill sets and talents and natural aptitudes. So if the president or CEO of your organization is not the most personable human being, you're not going to want them to get on stage and speak to an emotional crowd when they're already in, emotional, in an emotional state like it or not, right? Because they're still managing the crisis. So it's, it's, you need to train your spokespeople. You need to train everybody to be spokespeople for your organization. Um, and when it comes to choosing your primary spokespeople, um, you've got to do that. You have to be very careful with how you do that. You need to be very thoughtful and mindful of how you do that. I also do agree that it doesn't have to be the president or the CEO necessarily, but that also on the flip side, I, I was reminded as you were talking, uh, the sheriff here in, in my, my local Lynn County, uh, two sheriffs ago, I think, he's now retired, but he is all, and sheriff is an elected position, right? And so mm -hmm. he would come out to everything. Like if the media had a question, he was on his way, hair was perfect, mustache was perfect, everything was perfect. And he was the spokesperson. And it was actually a fantastic strategy, right? I mean, kind of on his time. I mean, you always have to be kind of ready because you, you, you can't control when stuff happens. But he was always in the media. He was always out there. People would be like, yes, oh, he is taking care of things. He, is, he has a handle on things. So certainly that works. The other thing I wanted to mention when you talk about, um, and maybe like for like 30 seconds, you can tell us any tips you might have on this one. Uh, having a relationship with media is harder and harder. I mean, media people come and go quicker than ever. Uh, and how do you do that? How do you have a relationship with the media specifically? I mean, specific people, I guess. 
So I am not a PR person. That is not, I, I think that there are a ton of PR pros out there who can answer that question way better than I do or can um, or will. Um, but it, it, it's one and the same, right? So it's, it's relationships. How do you, how do you meet new people and how do you form bonds and, and you know, kind of deep ties, relationships, emotionally connected, emotionally connected being, you know, a very key term, um, relationships with them. And then when they change, you still, relationships matter. And from my perspective, relationships matter deeply. So even if somebody changes their role, they're still going to be in some realm, likely as part of, you know, the medium, part of a reporter or part of some kind of um, within that industry. So keep that tie. And if you have a close tie with them, ask for an intro for the person who's coming in. And again, and then just repeat the cycle. I think what it comes down to, and I know I'm over 30 seconds, but what it comes down to is really caring about the relationship and that human connection, that emotional connection. And that's not just for the media, that's just for any relationship, business and professional. Yeah, certainly there's always people that you can connect with and, and help you meet other people in the industry. CrisisReadyInstitute.com is the website. You can check it out in the last, seriously, the last 30 seconds. Melissa, tell us um, who would reach out to the Crisis Ready Institute? Who do you work with? That sort of thing. And thank you so much for joining us. Honest, thank you. Honestly, if you, this is interesting to you, reach out because we have a team of people who no matter what your area of expertise will will cater to you and will bring you in. Um, if you are a comms professional of any shape or form, crisisreadycourse.com if any of this is interesting to you because uh, we've got a 10-week, 15-hour course that is phenomenal that you can't find anywhere else in the world. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.